Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey folks, this is Jason Lewis, the producer of the From the Shadows podcast. I just want to remind you about our website, fromtheshadowspodcast.com. We have a Facebook page. We would appreciate it if you like and follow. Also, join our discussion group on Facebook called After the Shadows. We have a Twitter feed. Please follow us on Twitter. It can be found with at podcast underscore from. Follow us on Instagram at From the Shadows Podcast. We have a YouTube channel. Go to the search bar on YouTube and put From the Shadows Podcast and please subscribe to that channel. We are also on the Odyssey Radio Network and we can be found there at odyssey1.com. We are still on the traditional podcatchers that everybody loves to listen to us on. We get a lot of feedback, so please rate the podcast and communicate with uh, whether you're on Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or Google Podcasts. We're there, and we appreciate it when you leave comments for us. We also have a Patreon page. It can be found at www.patreon.com forward slash from the shadows. You can receive books, stickers, coffee mugs, and special content just for our Patreon subscribers. Check it out for yourself and see what packages that we have to offer. Well, that's all I have for you right now, folks. And thanks for being a part of the From the Shadows podcast family. So with that being said... Let's get this episode started. Hey, this is Shane Grove, host of the From the Shadows podcast. And before I send you off to this week's episode, there's a couple things I want to tell you guys about. First off, if you are not a subscriber or follower to the From the Shadows podcast on your favorite podcatcher, you may have missed our very special episode that we dropped Monday morning. Um, So go back and check it out. We uh, recorded ourselves with our good friend Chris Hahn at the uh, Ohio premiere of Wrong Turn, the movie, and we did a uh, what we think is a pretty cool episode, talking movies and talking, about the mo- and talking about the movie itself. It was a lot of fun, and we hope you guys enjoy it. It's just a little uh, special treat we wanted to give our fans. Uh, the second thing is, if you go to our After the Shadows Facebook page, we're going to have a Amazon wish list on there that you can go and help out our uh, good friend M. 
And if you are a loyal listener of the show, you're going to remember M was our Halloween guest, told some great ghost stories, and then she encountered some serious health issues. Well, she's made it past those health issues. However, her and her husband have to pick up and move from Washington, D.C. to Michigan, where she's going to be part of a University of Michigan um, study or program uh, to kind of take her to the next level of getting healthy with her health issue. So it's a, it's a, it's a really cool, neat thing that she can do to try to gain another level of health, healthiness in her life. And, but, but her and her husband basically are going to have to move with nothing because it's going to be so expensive. So we were going to help her out put up her Amazon wish list. And if you can go on there and make a donation and help them buy some things that they need to start their new life in Michigan, I'm sure that would be a great uh, relief to them. And it would be a great start for, for M to have that much less to worry about as she tries to get healthy. And we do want her to get healthy because, um, you know, she's become a good friend of the podcast. And the last thing is we want to announce the winner of the Squatch Stick. Uh, we ran the contest for two weeks, and of all the people that got their friends to sign up for the After the Shadows Facebook page, uh, we drew out Greg McKeever. So, Greg McKeever, you will be the recipient of a autographed Squatch Stick so that you can, uh, you know, go do your own squatching. And uh, I cannot guarantee that it's going to be worth anything. In fact, it may be worth less with uh, me and Jason and the judge's autograph on it. So uh, no guarantees that, you know, on eBay you're going to become independently wealthy. So with that, congratulations to Greg. Um, if you can, go check out M on After the Shadows and check out our bonus issue, uh, bonus episode um, from Sunday night or Monday morning. And... We hope you enjoy our conversation with Greg Walter. Thanks. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the From the Shadows podcast. I'm your host, Shane Grove, from once again deep in the bowels of the From the Shadows podcast studio. With me, as always, is the judge. Hey, y'all. I'm super excited tonight. Got a great guest. Hey, at least you didn't steal Jason's group. Uh, ooh, I almost said it. Yes, you did. <laughs> Yes, you you're did. Dead. Mind your manners. Jason, the super producer, how you doing? Greetings, everyone. Uh, there's that lovely greetings. Yeah, it is. He's got Which a very face soon, made for radio. Very soon, we're going to have uh, Jason's tagline greetings available as a ringtone. So yes, we'll, it is. In fact, for your birthday, if you, if you got somebody, a loved one has a birthday, he'll call up and he'll give them a, a greetings, happy birthday, exactly. and uh, for a very small fee of $10 of hamburger meat. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Brown chuck. Oh, boy. Okay. All right. Enough peddling Jason as a, as a, as a piece of merchandise. Um, don't even say it, Judge. I can see the look on your he, face. I'm going to tell you right now. Say. I'm looking at him. He looks like $100 right now. He looks like $100. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, with us tonight is, a, uh, is an author, a researcher, mm -hmm. uh, Mr. Greg Walter. Greg, how are you doing today? Hi, wonderful. How are you both? And everybody. Well, we are uh, 
we're here. Well, hey, yeah. we're here, but we're super excited because uh, you agreed to come on our show as a guest, and you have some fascinating stuff that we're excited to hear about. And I know our listeners out there, we have a wide range of listeners from all over the world. We yes, are an so. international podcast, and uh, I think some of the subject matters we're going to delve into tonight are really going to hit the sweet spot for some of our listeners out there. And uh, we're excited to get started. So we're just happy that you agreed to come on, bless us with uh, with your stories and your wisdom and your research. It's Greg, we're, you, this is a lot of pressure we're putting on. It is. You. Oh, yeah. No, You're at the free throw line, buddy, and there's no time left. <laughs> hey, that's that's all good. Um, where are you guys out of? Where are you located? We are in parts unknown. No, no. Parts in, unknown. I've been there. We, uh, we're in north central Ohio. About an hour north okay, of Columbus. North Central, Ohio. Okay. Yeah, so we are we are smack dab in almost the middle of Bigfoot country in Ohio. We yeah. got Salt Fork in the south. We got Mohegan over to the east. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got uh, Cuyahoga yeah. National Forest in, uh, in Oberlin up there to the right. So Loudonville. So we, we're we in a very squatchy area, i got to be honest with you. Well, <clears throat> Greg's in a pretty squatchy area out in Oregon, right? Yeah, I've absolutely. never heard of such a place. Never. Heard. <laughs> well, there's, uh, an Oregon, uh, there's an Oregon, Ohio, too. Yes, it's a, <laughs> yes. Toledo. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Greg, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and why we would even have you on the podcast. Indeed. So, I have lived in the Pacific Northwest for about forty some years of my life. I I went in. Let's say. Let's see, I originally went up there with the U.S. Coast Guard, and then from there it led into all sorts of mischief. But um, <laughs> but basically I was doing um, like mushroom foraging, and also um, from there I worked on fishing boats in Alaska, and you know, sort of this rather hard scrabble forms of living in my in my earlier years. And in that, in the course of that. Um, I felt like there was some need for repentance. I think we all reach this point in our life at some point or another. Um, and I went on a journey. And on this journey, I would actually have a physical encounter with with a Sasquatch or, or you know, there's different there's different native names for these things. But um, but basically, I had this encounter. And then in the ensuing years afterward, I would piece together in research and in stories and so forth like that what exactly I had encountered and what what the meaning of it was. And so, you know, um, and, you know, in a sense, it was a spiritual almost awakening, but also, you know, the the, you know, learning from the different native lore in the area um, and piecing it together as to what what exactly I had run into, and kind of the backstory of it, and that's what that's what fascinated me. And I and I put that in so many words in the book. So let me ask you this, Greg: Was this were you out seeking to have contact with some sort of like through you know a passion for you know, people who say, "Well, look, I'm gonna go out squatching," or was this an accidental encounter? And it was after the encounter that you got the passion for finding out what it was you saw in the experience. Yes, but the the hitch there was that there was a thing that I did, and it was it was almost inevitable, or it was it was accidental, where I followed. Um, I didn't know it at the time, but I followed almost a procedure that is done by certain certain members of the native tribes. Um, 
I we call that force gumping your way into something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and so you know, night number three, you know, here it comes. And the thing about it is, is that had I had the training and had I had the knowledge behind this, I would have been able to basically communicate with this thing. And um, but that takes a lot of training to do that. And that's why, you know, there's there's a lot of these apprentices and stuff like that, that I mean, they they do this stuff for years and years to get trained up to approach these things. And, you know, and that would be, you know, an important little point on the podcast here today is that for folks that you know, are dealing with these, with these, what are, what are often seen as like malevolent creatures, skinwalkers or whatever you got there that, you know, to layer in the knowledge of the natives and don't be surprised if somewhere within that tribe or that subgroup or through your native American group there, that there is someone that knows how to communicate or at least at one time had a method of communicating with these things. Um, you know, that elder may have died or whatever. Well, the difficult but, thing with that is from, from Grover and I's research, because we, we became pretty fascinated with, with Wendigo skinwalker and stuff like that is that especially the Navajo tribe, they won't talk to you about it. <clears throat> the, oh, yeah, right. the mere fact You're, that it mm-hmm. just to have a conversation would be inviting <clears throat> those things into your world. And so to, to, especially for someone who's an outsider, like we are, to try to go to a reservation or try to talk to, I mean, I can't imagine there's a shaman that's going to sit down with the, from the shadows podcast and tell us everything we need to know about communicating with a skinwalker. So I guess I'm kind of fascinated with you decided to sort of go on this and for lack of a better word, vision quest. And you were able to communicate with the indigenous tribes of this country and, and, and find out, how you can go out and do these things and be able to communicate with these things. Is that what you're telling us? Well, yeah. Other than, you know, what I didn't learn was like, for instance, the song of introduction, the song of to, to request knowledge. Um, you know, at, at that point, does it almost become telepathic between the two? Um, you know, this is where, so this is where, you know, um, this is not in, you know, generally in any book anywhere. Um, but there are a lot of university research papers that dive into the spirituality and lore of various tribes across, you know, across the nation. Um, and so, and so, you know, and like the UC Berkeley library, I mean, they're very extensive with, with not only linguistics, but also with their anthropological studies and things that were written down and things that were recorded back, you know, I want to say a hundred years ago or, or even longer and so from those notes, from those from those compilations and 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 references, you know, you can you can kind of search around in there. But, yeah, you're right. As far as us being able to to physically approach these things and do it in a in a way that, you know, we have the knowledge behind us and you still run a risk. I mean, you know, you know, it's like, what if this thing doesn't like you? <laughs> so, I mean, um, I think you run a risk of seeing a, a, a stray pit bull and trying to yeah. go up and kiss its face and talk to it, let alone <laughs> trying to lure a Wendigo or Skinwalker. Exactly. I, I think that would yep. be. So, so, Greg, so let me ask you this. So, so then is a Bigfoot or Sasquatch, like from the area that you're talking about, is that something that is always present as far as in a physical form or is that something that requires 
you or the Native Americans or whoever experiences it to kind of conjure it up or ask it to come in, into a form where you can experience it? Yes. I don't think they're here 24-7, um, you know, running around out there. Part of my belief system there is just it's heavily steeped in the fact that I have a lot of friends that are wildlife biologists, stream biologists. Um, they're the ones doing like the spotted owl surveys. So they go out there at night and you hoot for owls. They call in the owls. Uh, they know how to do that up and down. And, you know, for all of their experience and years, even decades of doing these kinds of this kind of research night and day, you know, at all hours of the you know, day or week or whatever. And they just have never run across one of these things. No footprints, no, no little tribe of them living in some corner of the forest. Nope. And so, and so it points to the fact that uh, these things, I think, visit here. And, you know, now, I mean, this is where we go into the woo and, oh, how much fun is that in a science fiction novel? Um, mm -hmm. and, well, I think you, you know, bring it to, so this yeah. is a hot topic right now in, in the Bigfoot community. And that right. is there's two schools of thought here. And, and there are people that are divided on these lines and there are people that will fight you yeah, all about their position. Yeah. And, and <clears throat> there's a whole group of, of Bigfoot enthusiasts who say Bigfoot is just a primate that's yet to be discovered, yet, you know, some sort of classified. It, it falls under the genius, uh, genus of, you know, this or that. Mm -hmm. And then you have an entirely different, group of Bigfoot enthusiasts who say, no, these things are spiritual. They're supernatural. They're, 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 you know, they're connected to the orbs. They, there's portals that they travel around in, and there's a whole supernatural component to it. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like to me, you easily fall on the side of that. These are supernatural creatures and I hear 24 seven. And the interesting thing yeah. is there's really, really, really good arguments for both sides. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to insult either side by saying, Oh, are you kidding? No, I think there's legitimate, uh, you know, th there's legitimate people say, look, you know, the giant, you know, Pithecus, you know, 10,000 years ago, this giant primate walked around. This is some sort of offshoot of that. But then when you, you look at all the encounter, the people who have encounters, and you see the supernatural stuff that encompasses their experiences and things like that. And you say to yourself, my gosh, you know, maybe this is why we never find any scat. Maybe this is why mm -hmm. we've never found any bones or any bodies or anything like that. So it, it's a fascinating subject. So what we'd really like to do, because we know you've researched this, give us your mm -hmm. take. And, and there's no right or wrong answer, obviously. Right. But, right. but give I mean, us your you know, take on the Bigfoot mythology. Okay. It's, it's an open book and it's as simple as that. And I say that because on the side that we have a physical being out there running around the cut over, burned over forests of the Pacific Northwest and elsewhere. Um, and yet no physical evidence. And so, you know, and this is where, um, you know, and just to jump subject a little bit, but it's like with the little people where you've got these things in three different forms. One is the spiritual one, which is the heaviest one, or in other words, the one that's the most populated with different versions of these things. Um, but then you also have little people, which are like the pygmy, the menahuni, the um, the pendak orang. I mean, there's different there's different right. iterations around the world. Of well, there's actually well, where they've actually found fossil records. That's right. That's right. You know, so that's okay. We found we know we know these things exist because we found their bones. You mm -hmm. got it. Right. Yeah, and so that's that's what makes me 
um, a bit of a skeptic of having the 24-7 Bigfoot is that is that we do not have any physical record in the fossil record or elsewhere. And, you know, how did they dodge that? Now, yeah, right, they eat their bones and they do all this stuff where they cover their tracks and so forth. But I just feel like I just feel like if they're a physical being on this planet, and if you guys have ever watched you know, a um, like a forest service or public lands archaeologist go around out um, on a forest or anywhere, you know, in a site. I mean, you know, it's just they can pick out little pieces of arrowhead and they can see where somebody had bedded down and they can see where it's like, oh, look, this was a pit house site or this was a place where, you know, a lodge was placed, et cetera, et cetera. Here's the post. Here's the, you know, so mm -hmm. and. You know, and this is the thing that, um, you know, especially in areas like where you guys are in Ohio or even Oklahoma, where, you know, you don't have vast tracts of wilderness um, that these things can sort of semi hide in. I mean, it's a lot smaller of a proximity of area, right. correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, Mo Mohegan yeah. State Park compared to the Pacific Northwest yeah. is the dot right. of, the of an eye, you know. Yeah. yeah, and so and so, what happens there is that is it imagine that at one time that was that could have been a sacred area that could have been you know there might have been a hill a spring some some feature there that the native you know especially the shaman or you know the ones in the doctoring community used and you know now they're long gone but yet those entities are still there. So kind of how so, I see it, Greg, is this, and, and, and since we're on the Native American topic, mm -hmm. so. If you are someone, do you say, okay, do you believe in Sasquatch? Yes, I do. Mm -hmm. Do you also believe in Skinwalkers, Wendigos? If someone says, no, I don't believe in that, okay, we'll move on. But if somebody says, yeah, I kind of believe that they're Skinwalkers, Wendigos, you say, well, mm -hmm. you realize all three of them are creatures from Native American folklore and history, all three of them. And we That's know right. that Wendigos and Skinwalkers are supernatural. That's defined. I mean, in 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 Navajo, okay. and I've done some research myself. Is it there's? It's unquestionable that these things are, or are that's the belief. Yeah, the of belief the, of the tribe. Yeah, yeah, yeah that the, 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 these are things. So if you say, well, okay, I'll concede that Wendigos and Skinwalkers are supernatural. Why would you not lean towards the fact that the Sasquatch, which is lumped really yeah. into that, would also not have a supernatural component to it? Well, and it most certainly could. And, you know, it's it's funny because when you research, you know, the other thread that I've been rig or, or digging into is um, is is some of the thoughts of Carl Jung and in the world of the archetype. And, um, and and what that means, it's sort of like imagine you've got this this heavy, heavy belief. This thing's here. It's it's you know, we're going on a camping trip. I'm going to see one. You know, and as you pounded this into your head and you get out there. And here he comes, but is it actually a physical animal or is it an archetype? In other words, almost like a manifestation, like a really heavy hallucination that that that's that's what you're that's what you're experiencing in front of you. Um, it's a weird piece of the psyche, you know, and so um, I can't fully wrap my head around that. But but I think that, you know, sometimes sometimes we could have that the other my counter to the archetype is that do archetypes leave footprints and so um you wouldn't think people, they did yeah yeah you wouldn't think <laughs> unless they would, you're really you know? good unless you have a really good imagination oh yeah right yeah and so <laughs> you're and coloring so in every you're coloring, coloring in all the 
you know, so, so yeah, the other, the other part back to the native is that, you know, there, there are at least a few tribes. I think one's in the, like, I want to say Sioux or Arapaho or, or a uh, black, but that, you know, these things occupy two worlds that they're the above the clouds people. Um, they're the sky people. They, you know, and so, you know, um, and, you know, I don't believe that necessarily anyways, we don't know, we're still playing with this whole thing, but, um, but in regards to them having a little spaceship and they arrive here, you know, it could be, you know, some form of a traversable wormhole and also where you have a warp in the fabric of the space time continuum and Neil deGrasse Tyson touches on some of this. And, you know, and this is where we get into the, you know, once again, the, the astro part of this or the you know, the stuff that physicists love tearing into, um, you know, and so, and this is the thing also, when you look at something like the Hadron Collider, where I thought I heard on the news in the last few months that they're, they're, they're doing further research into this, but they feel like they're coming close to discovering a new dimension. And, um, and this is what happens when you play with mass. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, um, I mean, I don't know if I, there was a good joke he told. It was something about the Higgs boson, and he said Higgs boson walks into a walks into a church, and the priest immediately approaches him and says, "You can't be here. You have to leave." And Higgs boson says, "No, you don't understand. You cannot have mass without me." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What's well, interesting because uh, um, you know, on, Joe Rogan had Brian Cox on his uh-huh. on his podcast. And I love. Brian Cox, astrophysicist and all that stuff. And he basically said, look, math, we can come up with anything with math. I mean, we, we, could, we can come up with a time machine mathematically. We can prove that time travel and, and travel to other dimensions is possible. We can prove it with math. The problem is give it to an engineer and tell him to build it. Because, <laughs> because the, the materials this, it would this take. This is skirting like, like – Every morning at the post office, with, <laughs> with they, with they give us numbers, and it's like, okay, now go. we got to go out and go do it. Hey, perform to these. Get this all these delivered before <laughs> Christmas. Well, but, yeah, but, but the point but, is of what Brian Cox is saying, and it's true, right. is that with math, we can pretty much figure out time travel and different things like that. The, the problem is, the materials that you would need to build the machine don't exist here. But that's here. Right. Mm-hmm. If there yeah. is another dimensional plane, if there is, if there is a race of beings that has somehow mastered, you know, a new propulsion system that's a gravity drive that can bend space time, okay, then they've already here. You gotta remember mm-hmm. that's just our version of math too, and that's our version of math. Okay, yeah. somebody else can just well, right. the Plus. other thing is, and I think Greg and 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 Jason and I we talked about this before, mm-hmm. is that you know we base everything on physics, you know, physical yes. laws that we test them. Right. But the one thing right. we do know is that when you go to the quantum level, the laws of physics no longer apply; they break down. Right, right. And so when you get when you start talking about okay, you know, can these what we deem as cryptids be part of a different dimensional plane, be able to come through there. Well, we haven't figured out quantum mechanics yet, and, and maybe there, right. that is the answer. But, you know, the thing about it is you go back, and this is kind of leading back to maybe the little people stuff, but you go all the way back to Europe and we start talking about the fae. We would, in Western culture, we call them fairies. And the whole, the whole concept of Midsummer's Night's Eve, you know, the whole thing about Midsummer's Night's Eve is that 
that is the day that the veil between our world and this other world is at its thinnest. And if right. you're going to have us, mm-hmm. so this isn't something new that we've come up with this idea that, Hey, you know, maybe Bigfoot and some of these things are, this has been around, you know, for hundreds and hundreds of years and the people of, of, of Eastern Europe, Western Europe. And, and so this is a, not a new idea. You know, they just called it the veil, but now we but, with modern science are saying, well, maybe, you know, mathematically this can be done. Right. And that's what, you know, one of the shows I was watching is where, you know, imagine you've got like a, um, like two net funnels and, you know, and they extend out. So, so imagine if you stretch this thing out and let's say it's two feet wide, you know, like this, but your net funnels, what happens? And let's say like that occupies, I don't know, you know, a hundred million miles out in space, but what happens? And so you have to travel through that wormhole to get to the other side. But yeah, what happens if that net funnel collapses to something where all you have to do is step through and you're there? And now the question is, with portals and so forth, are they here for six minutes, six days, six weeks? You know, um, how how long do these things have to travel back and forth through before that thing closes for another month, year, 10 years, you know, whatever? Um, and on top of that, are there certain locations where they're almost like hot spots where those things happen that these things can can jump in and out of our world? throw into that also that these things also have the the ability to almost disappear right right in front of us and then reappear you know 300 steps later and, you know so, so, so Greg, yeah. let's let's get back to your experience ah, can you uh-huh. can you how much can you tell us i don't want to ruin your book oh. you know yeah, no no that's fine <laughs> um because you know the thing. The thing with my experience was that, um, yeah. So, so it was a it was about a sixty mile, nine day or eight eight and a half day pack trip that I did. I went out to one place, put down some sage, was almost crying out there. I, I have no idea why. Just kind of suddenly felt like this. And there's actually a whole book about this called Cry for Luck. And, um, and it's, and it's basically, you know, Native American spirituality in this. And it's almost like you reach into the depths of your soul with this, with this very emotional part of your life or, you know, however you feel or whatever, and you express this out to the heavens. And from there, it's like, it's like between the smoke of the sage and the, and, and what you're doing, you draw in these these spirits um in this case it would be the little people and they also are known as the immortals and of course it took me time to figure this out but but these immortals then it's almost like they're the ones given the check off you know they're the ones saying okay this guy checks out you know and then from there i went to the next place and i was greeted at this place where there's a beautiful cedar grove and like this and there was a salamander in the spring nearby. And I went over and I picked up the salamander and said, hello, wow, what a great, great looking salamander, beautiful, healthy, you know, mottled salamander. And I put him back in the spring and, you know, went about my trip. Well, the next night was when I would have this encounter with this thing. And years later, somebody recounted to me this story that the first thing you'll run into is a salamander in a spring. 
And um, and then in my research, digging into that, was that these were the immortals that occupy these springs. They're also known as water babies, and that they occupy these springs up in these high elevation places because that's where they've been relegated to because the people occupy the river bottoms and so forth like this, the villages and so forth. And so if you want to go visit the immortals, you've got to go to the high ground. Um, and this, I mean, this is almost universal around the world, I think. Um, you know, you have to go to that place to go visit these immortals. Okay. So the next night I, I basically, I set up my camp, went up and it was like an amphitheater about maybe a little bit bigger than half the size of a football field. Um, and I set up my camp there and I, and I noted that there were a couple of ponds and, and it was on also a geologic contact where it went from day site to serpentine and serpentine is a, um, it's kind of throughout the Klamath mountains. It's basically the earth's mantle has come to the surface. And so, and so, it, you know, it's very highly mineralized, um, you know, different plant ecology going on on serpentine as opposed to regular granitics and so forth. And so, so I'm out there. I'm looking around this whole amphitheater. I decide to wash myself off after the day's sweat and so forth. And I look down to this footprint, wonderful footprint, and um, and barefoot, you know, and I, oh, my God, you know, so I'm a little freaked out at this point. And basically, everything was just a normal camp scene until the sun went down and the moon was rising up, but the moon was still behind the ridge. So still very dark. And it was right at that time of the thin red line. And I think Carlos Castaneda talks about it where it's the, it's the time of power. And, um, and, and then from there, this thing just emerges. It, it just sort of appeared right there. It didn't come scrambling down the hillside or anything. It just all of a sudden appears. And I couldn't really see it. I could just hear it, this crunch, crunch, stomp, stomp. And it goes over to this water. And boy, it was there for about 90 seconds taking a drink. Slurp, 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 slurp. And it must have been down on all fours. I mean, I couldn't really see it because it was dark. But then I hear this splash, 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 and stomp, stomp. Okay, now I'm getting a view of this bipedaled, you know, very athletic. You know, it wasn't the frumpy Patterson Gimlin pregnant Bigfoot or whatever that was. Um, you know, this guy was this guy was, you know, very thin. He looked like he could easily like I could take off of my hardest run. It wouldn't make any difference. This thing could catch me and, you know, within 100 steps. Um, you know, just that kind of athleticism to him, very graceful, but very, but, but also, you know, with this, with this very malevolent feel to him and these icy gray eyes that just bore into me. Um, and that really stuck with me because the only place I'd seen those eyes and I went back home and I had this extended comic book of Tarzan and there in the comic book on page 15 or whatever was a picture of these gorillas that had those same eyes. And, you know, that was a that was a woo woo moment, you know, but um, but at any rate, this thing does this semicircle around my camp and then from there goes down the hill and disappears. And, um, you know, of course, that made me stay up for an extra two hours, wondering if he's going to come back and bash my brains in. And um, and he didn't. It just, you know, he just disappeared. And eventually I went back to sleep because I figured, well, the hell with it. He knows where I'm at. And so um, <laughs> so. So that was that. And I was nine miles out by myself, no gun, no weapons. You know, I think I had a pocket knife with me, um, you know, but but yeah, that was that was a, um, so that was basically the gist of my encounter. 
And it seemed like afterward, because I still had another, you know, 50 miles to hike, that from there, it's like everything just kind of opened up as far as like I see bear, you know, and they're playing in the meadow and they just kind of ignore me. I mean, they saw me, but, you know, they thought, okay, you're part of this, you know, um, you know, you visit with a frog and he comes hopping over to you, you know, and it's just all of a sudden you've got this attunement to nature you didn't expect. Um, so that was one of the interesting near-term fallouts from what, from what my experience was, but it led me on this, on this research quest as far as, okay, so what was this? And, um, and so that's, that's where I dug into it. And that's what I put into the book as far as a lot of my, you know, my belief system based upon, you know, volumes of research into the story. So, so as you're sitting there, Did you feel threatened or what was going through your mind? I mean, did you feel like a sense of calm or that all things were now right in the world sort of thing or, or what? I mean, what what was... I mean, it it shocked me at first, at first because, because I'm dealing with something walking, you know, and that's very aberrant out in nature, you know, that you have some some hairy beast walking towards you, away from you, whatever. I mean, it's already a freaky thing. Um, so there's that. And then the other part of it, too, was that, you know, it felt like because I was standing, I was right next to my tent and um, and I was holding my flashlight and and I got this real clear message from this thing. Like, don't even think about it. Like, don't you even put that light on me. Um, you know, if you think about it, I mean, you guys are into the law enforcement community, at least a little bit, and you know, when you got those big flashlights and you shine it in someone's face, you know, it's very affronting. And, um, and so, and so I thought, okay, I get this, you know? Um, so I never put a flashlight on them. I did not have a campfire. Um, so this wasn't some, some cozy camp scene. Um, it was just me in my tent with my backpack and, and, um, and, you know, in a sense, it was an attunement, you know, and I say that I say that like as though I didn't need a fire. I knew a moon was going to come up here soon. And um, and I just, you know, I was just more, you know, where it's like, is this guy Native American? Is this guy, you know, you know, the white boy, you know, you know whatever, um, you know, but it was something that I just felt like I was a little more in tune because I didn't do those things. I didn't put a flashlight on them. I didn't have a campfire. I wasn't so, doing this. So you seem to this. You so you seem to to the creatures of the forest, like you belong there. You fit in. You weren't using fire. You weren't using electronics. You weren't using, you know, uh, some sort of ambient lights. You you were basically living as them. That's right. And that yes. put them at ease because, I mean, think of it this way: you're, you're telling us you're nine miles off grid. You know, nine miles off grid, there's a good chance bears Mm -hmm. that deep has never seen a human being. Yeah. Would not even know what you were. Um, You know, uh, the the, the toad or frog that came up to you has never seen a human being. You know? Right. And and whatever you encounter, Sasquatch, you know, whatever spirit animal, maybe Native American, there's a chance it had never seen a Caucasian. Yeah, that's true. Yep. Yep. That's yeah. And, and, and this is the thing is that 
is it so then so then years later putting it together you know that uh, i followed this recipe here it comes and the thing about it is is that is that you know, you know this is where this is where the stupid enters into it is the fact that i didn't have the training i didn't have the skill set to communicate with this thing and what could i have learned you know what you know you know had i approached it correctly um you know and i took all the steps i you know i had this thing appear um, and I don't know if it's something that, you know, does this thing, you know, oh, wait, you know, like, like it's off on the tea garden planet, you know, well, well, geez, I better get that 12 trillion miles to earth. Cause this guy's, this guy's on his trip, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so, I've been waiting to talk to this guy. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. And so, and so, you know, and that's, that's the thing is that, is that it could fall back into this, this thing of where, you know, with dark matter, dark energy, can this thing appear from distant places, you know, almost instantaneously? Is it something that perhaps there's certain moons, certain times of a year that this thing, that this thing is around? And that's why, like, you know, what's funny is that when you look at the native, you know, the native community where they might do certain dances or certain ceremonies at certain times of the year. And we just kind of think, Oh yeah, that's their, that's their dance. They do that they do in September or whatever, but it could, but it could hold a higher spiritual meaning that we, you know, as Caucasians just don't know. And, um, and even much of the native community doesn't know, but, but amongst a few of the doctors and, and the people doing the dances and stuff, they're attuned to this. Well, let, let me ask you, Greg. So, do you believe that every creature that we call a Bigfoot or a Sasquatch or you know whatever is a spiritual animal, or that there may be some of these types of beings that are just regular flesh and blood and just hanging out? Yeah, like for example, if you see yeah. if you just see descriptions of the Tennessee wild man. Yeah, they right. don't necessarily fit the description of the prototypical Bigfoot. Yeah, mm-hmm. or the skunk ape, or, right. or something like, like that. that. I mean, do you, so, so what, what's your sure. thoughts on what's your thoughts on that? Like, well, you know, and do you guys remember there was a National Geographic about you know Bigfoot, and you know, and it had um, uh, Meldrum, Jeff Meldrum, and several others. There was like this little team of these scientific experts, and they were, and there was a really cool story within that though on the Squamish Nation up just north of Vancouver, British Columbia, and how basically, and it was being told by I think it was a Native American anthropologist, you know, and he was pointing out these little these chipped rocks and so forth. And basically what 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 he was imparting there was a story of where you have their their doctor, their shaman within that tribe. And from there you have these apprentices. And let's say there's 10 of them or 12 of them or something like this. Well, of those and over the course of years, you get two or three of them that are candidates. And those candidates are picked, you know, they're handpicked by this shaman. And basically they are trained up, you know, and they learn the ways of the wild and they learn the ways of nature. And then they're released and they're sent out into the woods for years. Um, some of them never even come back. Some of them we never hear from again. They're eaten by a bear or whatever happens to them. But the thing there is that is that from time to time that shaman goes out there and approaches these things. And, you know, and yeah, they're human, sort of. You know, I mean, they got long hair and they got, I mean, they're just, you know, unruly as hell. But 
Um, but still, there this this doctor is able to get these secrets in the natural world that are only revealed to people, or you know, if you will, like hominids or us, over years of being out there and learning that amazing attunement that you'd have to know so you could even survive. And um, and so and so within that, you know, now, could you have a higher, you know, spiritual being like a Sasquatch or something like that or little people that helps those 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 initiates while they're out there for God knows how long? I mean, some of them, I, I guess there were guys out there for longer than 10 years, um, you know, and and so my point to that is, is that is that. Is it could that be your Tennessee wild man where, you know, within the Cherokee or whatever native group that basically, yeah, you got a wild man out there, you know, um, you know, but but it's but it's more by design than it's by accident. Oh, so you're so you're kind of theorizing that maybe that's not even that that's part of the Native American. It could be. So so obviously I can't remember where I read this, but but what I think he's saying is that that. You know, and, and we know this because we talked about how uh, how uh, skinwalkers and stuff like that mm-hmm. come into being. That a yeah. shaman be- basically killed, meta- a, me- killed, killed a member of their own killed family. a member of their own family. And this this goes to this metamorphosis, and so oh right, yeah. So you think about it, you know if if you're someone that is, and you think think it from this way, if I'm a, if I'm training to be a shaman an apprentice, and I'm going to live in the wild, I have to be the wild. You know, what mm-hmm. I mean, and right. this metamorphosis goes from a you know, whatever, you know, member of the tribes, you know, somewhat civilized in order until you turn into this half man, half creature, half beast that lives a wild man, you know, long mm-hmm. hair. And yeah. So living right. in the forest and that, that would be man's natural state. You remember the, uh, oh, remember the, the, oh, the movie, what was the name of it? Oh, shoot. Um, well, now's not the time to oh, dang it. I mean, <laughs> you know, that's what yeah. the guy, remember the guy wanted to go back to man's first state. And he went in the the the, dep- the sensory deprivation chamber. William Hurt played oh. the doctor. Oh, right, right. But Vaguely, that, I remember. Yeah, this. but that's it. That was man's first state. This what what you would describe as a Tennessee wild man is man's first state. Okay, I yeah. see the analogy. It's you know you should and do also on that. you know separate <laughs> separate from like a Sasquatch because a Sasquatch could be yeah. this eight foot tall hairy da 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 you know um and so. And so it doesn't fit the physical description of these of these apprentices that basically went wild. Mm-hmm. And um, but, you know, the jury's out on that one. And the other thing, too, is that is that, you know, um, because yeah, I have a friend that was a surveyor for in Arizona and he was working on the reservation up up in the Hopi area. And um, and he came back to the truck with his with the partner that he was with, you know, fellow surveyor. And I was surveying boss and they're driving away and he's got this dazed look on his face. And, the, you know, the buddy says to him, well, so what happened? He, you know, he said, well, I saw this thing and it was like a like a man's torso with a deer's legs. And it he got a glimpse of it and the thing ran behind some rocks and just disappeared. And and the other guy says, well, yeah, you saw a skinwalker, you know, um, and it was just this brief appearance of these things. And, you know, this is what this is what um, it's interesting because I live up by the Oregon Caves National Monument 
And one of my colleagues and friends up there who was the park naturalist, he wrote a book called American Elves. And it basically, it's it's a bibliography of, um, or it's an encyclopedia of little people from the lore of 380 ethnic groups of the Western Hemisphere. And so, and that's just the Western Hemisphere. What about the Eastern Hemisphere, um, much less the Southern? And so, you know, you get these things all over the world and those are the spirits, you know, those are like in that spiritual world where they could live for 2000 years and do all this stuff as opposed to the Menahuni or, you know, whoever we're, we're referring to as far as the little people or small people, um, you know, and so it's, and, you know, you know, his theory too, with the small people is kind of interesting because, you know, he was saying that how, you know, it could be they're surmising in this or theorizing is that, is that did they, did they, at one time they were five or six foot people, but they co-evolved to this smaller race because they could more survive on those islands or, you know, whatever environment they were in that as, as a smaller person that they could sustain themselves as opposed to a larger person. That's, 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 that's kind of interesting. So we keep, so we keep bumping up to the subject of little people. And by the way, for the record, it's the movie I was talking about was altered states. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's right. I was trying to think of for the life of me. I would have never referred to it. Yeah. Okay. So this is a good time to transition to a topic that we've talked a little bit about. That's just, Oh, it's a fascinating thing is the little people. And, and, the thing is, that is just a general classification of little people. But there's so many sub subtopics. Mm-hmm. Like we had yeah. uh, we had a, uh, a guest on who had done research into evil gnomes. An evil gnome. An yeah. evil gnome was just right. fa- fascinating. The story behind this, yes. and so mm-hmm. and, and then well, yeah. so we're really excited to hear what you've discovered in your research or experiences. Yeah, there was a fun one with the hey hey men and the hey hey women. You know, I think this was like somewhere in like northern Italy or someplace these things were. And um, what it is, is you hear out in the forest or someplace in the brush, you hear this, hey, 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 like this. Well, if you imitate this them, This is hey, like hey, an old hey. episode of like Fat Albert, is it? Yeah, 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 except when you imitate them, they come out of the brush and kill you. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. See, I knew Mush Mouth was not to be trusted. <laughs> I, I thought, okay, that's colorful, you know. Um, but 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 you know, back back around to your the part where we're dealing with you know between the physical being that's here twenty four seven, and the spiritual one that can hop in and out of our world or do what he does, you know. Um, um, you know, first of all, remember that. You know what's funny was my book is a science fiction magical realism, and I tried to to get some of the Bigfoot museums and stuff like this to carry it. And the thing about it is, they're oh no no no, we only have nonfiction here. I'm like, well, wait a minute, how do you guys have nonfiction on a myth? You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> and you know, how, and, dare, and this, how dare you? How dare you? <laughs> right. Well, and this is this is what's so funny is that is that you know. And to a lot of the people, I mean, the thing that I kind of challenge them with is that, okay, guys, what is your skill out there in the woods? Like, you know, in other words, when the sun goes down, are you all huddled around some British bonfire? Because you don't know what's out there now. I mean, it's dark, you know, um, as opposed to like having no fire at all and saying, you know what, let's go hiking right now. This is a great time of day, you know, night. Um, and, you know, and so, and so how, 
I guess my question there is how comfortable are they out in these these wild settings where they don't need fire, they don't need flashlights, um, they can just they can just get by with what they have, and um, and basically. Very. Because we don't see the same spectrum of light that animals do. Animals can see in the dark, and we can't. Yeah. But we're we're right. taught from from being little kids to be scared of the dark. I mean, that's right. kind of one right. of those things that, as little kids, we kind of get. Well, maybe there's a good reason we're supposed maybe to. Maybe because what lurks in the shadows. Oh. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. You know, nothing else. It makes for great horror genre. Yeah. Um, you know, but. But as far as the reality of this, it's like, okay, well, and so, so that's, that's one thing that I would beg the question of that a lot of these folks that, you know, it, it's like they want to keep Bigfoot in the horror genre. And, you know, and I'm trying to drag him somewhat kicking and screaming into the spiritual, little more benevolent world. Mm-hmm. Which I agree with that. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's what I decided to have fun with. And, and, you know, another thing too about this, and I love Neil deGrasse Tyson on this one is that, you know, when, when we talk about, you know, where it's like, we have an idea and then from there we gather up evidence, we come up with, you know, some papers or some truths or whatever like that. It lends itself into a hypothesis that then from there we get further evidence. We keep building on this and then it finally gets into theory that then goes into scientific fact. And so, so much of what we're talking about, we're still at hypothesis at best. You know, we haven't even reached theory yet. <laughs> and so, yeah, exactly. so it's a, yeah, until we have physical evidence, I mean, I kind of feel like, you know, we're at a loss here. And what are we going to do when, you know, before we get physical evidence, we realize that there is a different dimension that mathematically, and it's a problem that's going to occupy about 17 chalkboards, you know, as to how these things might and how we even might be able to travel there from here, much less them being able to come from there to here. You think it would take great amounts of energy uh, if we had the formula and would be able to do that. You think it would take great amounts of energy to break through the the veil between the realities? That could be. My friend Dave Perry, he was a um, he was really he was a forest ecologist retired from OSU. You know, he told me one time. He says, "Look, Greg, we know for sure." three percent of the universe <laughs> and um i thought okay that's somewhat somewhat good to know um but but this is the thing is that is that as, as we as we advance our knowledge in that in that whole in that whole realm um are we going to see some breakthroughs where you know we're going to realize hey you know there is and, and that's another one too is it is you know the fourth dimension being time and so you know, and if you, you know, and if you, if you manipulate that, they touched on a little bit of that in that movie Lucy, and which I thought right. was very cool of brain right. capacity and all this. The Scarlett yeah. Johansson. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And so um, Jason watched it with a volume down. He's a big Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> oh right, right, right. Yeah, I've watched it both ways. It works either way. Yeah, right? it, it was a really cool movie though. Yes, yeah, yeah, but. But I mean, it was all—it was all basically false. But here's the thing: is that you're you're pushing that envelope of like, okay, where 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 did we leave truth, and where do we know we're in false? Well, to, to to get back to the little people, but I just want to make yeah. one thing okay. f- for Jason, mm-hmm. and, and that is, I think Brian Cox said on Joe Rogan, 
that with the Higgs boson, they were able to create a wormhole. But it mm. only could last. It was very small. Yeah, it, it was like two tenths of a second. Two tenths or something. of a second, yeah. and then immediately collapsed right. on itself. So right. what you were saying is the energy that it would take to sustain mm-hmm. a portal or a wormhole would be just right. unimaginable. Yeah, something time. that we just don't have right now. Right. To be able to we do don't. Well, yeah, yeah, we don't. And that's the yeah, exactly. yeah, and that's the thing with these wormholes is that is that okay? You're traveling through the wormhole, but what do you do when you're traveling through the wormhole and it dissipates? It collapses. You know? I think you you just. Uh, you become you go part of the dark matter, right? You you go bye bye, you know. Yeah. And so and so this is the thing is that now how do these things know to travel in which wormholes that are actually going to make it to that other side? And then more importantly, how in the H are they going to get back? You know. And so so there's got to be some knowledge there that these things have of being able to hop in and out of this thing. It's it's crazy. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. But, but I mean, and, and the other thing about this too is that that's why you know, I mean, I I really enjoy watching you know some of the Sasquatch things, and they're all looking for this living being, and you know, and sometimes they every once in a while, it seems like about every ten years or so, you get one that's like, okay, that's a real film clip. I mean, this this guy really caught something that was the real deal out there, because um, there's so many hoaxers and there's so many there's so many things, which is just our hunger to want to believe that that we have this cryptid running around. Right. But when you get people that uh, sit there and, and make false videos, it seems like all that really does is damage. It just damages the credibility. And does the reverse of what? Sure. Yeah, yeah does exactly. The does the, to, yeah, then what they're trying to do, yeah. Well, the problem is it makes the, the actual people who are real enthusiasts of the subject matter Look, makes us look foolish. Yes, exactly. Like, see, we told you this yeah. stuff was fake. And by the way, here's a fake video. Here's a fake video. Hey, fake, fake video. Well, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, they show these videos of you know, it's like, oh my god, there's Bigfoot. There's some bear cub running. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's like, oh come on. Well, you the worst is but, when they try to when they try to put somebody in a suit or they try to. That is absolutely the worst. Yeah, yeah you're right. 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 Yeah, and so and so and that's that's where we go down this dangerous path. But it but it's like we're so hungry for mystery, you know? And so, so that's what creates the demand. So we were talking, we were talking little people mm -hmm. and and then we, that's the thing about our show. Sometimes we're headed in a direction. We take a left turn. We have to circle all the way back around. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of one way streets on this show. So to get back to course, you got to go long ways (laughs) through Higgs boson and everything else to get back to it. That's very true. To get back to it. So, so we've talked about you know, on our Patreon page. If anybody is a Patreon, wants to go come Patreon. We we did a cryptid court on the Puckwudgie, which is an interesting, you know, little known cryptid. Native and it's a Native Native American, American. origin. So so tell us what you found, and we started talking about different uh, categories of little people. Uh, mm. What are we talking about? I mean, are we talking about oh. in North America? Are we talking about what what Europeans would describe as the fae? And we talk about water babies. Are we talking about physical troll gnome like things? Wear little hats like the evil gnome that we the evil. Yeah. Had? Mm-hmm. I mean, right, right, yeah. Um, so so on that, I break it down into three categories as far as you know. One is say people that are afflicted with dwarfism, you know, and that's an osteo, it's a bone deficiency or a bone ailment 
that you know they experience that basically creates these small people. Um, the other one is the physical, it's like a little human, you know, rather than standing five or six feet, they stand three or four feet or even shorter. Sometimes, sometimes, you know, only like maybe three feet, but you know, once again, is that a, is that a coevolution? Um, we have skeletal remains. I believe there was a cave in the Dakotas where they found about six or eight of them. And then there was another, you know, these, these mounds that are in North and Western North Carolina, and um, and some of the and some of the evidence and fossil remains, you know, that have been found not only in North America but kind of throughout the world, that you know these things are these things were a physical being at one time, and why they died out and what happened to them is I don't know I just didn't dig into that part of the research, um, but yeah so there's that and then you go into what I think is the bulk of it is the spiritual and the spiritual, you know, these things are shapeshifters. They, they do all, you know, and they come in, in different forms and different shapes. Um, and even intermingled in that you can have the so-called giants, you know, but, but, but just sticking with the main little people, um, you know, I thought one of the interesting things there was that how that you have, I mean, I want to say close to a thousand different ethnic groups around the world or even more that have some iteration of this where there's this little person and then there's the giant. And, you know, and could basically Christianity be a form of that where they where they organized it? You know, they got a book deal. They got a spot on Oprah. Um, I'm kidding there. But I mean, they made a book, the Bible and so forth like this. And, and you know, the thing there is, is that does that theme follow where it's like Jesus would be like the Bigfoot and God is the little people. And, you know, um, and to me, it's hard to swallow when they say, Oh, they're just heathen, heathen tribes that didn't believe. And, you know, they, they worship the devil and et cetera. When in fact they had their own gods and heroes, you know, and because they were isolated, like somewhere in the Bella Bellas, it, you know, or somewhere up, you know, off the Northwest coast or something like this. And they didn't have any, any Euro American contact, but they had their culture. They had their spirituality. They had all these things in place. And the interesting thing there is the thread throughout the world of that same, of that same format. Does that make sense? Well, I mean, you look at, you, you look at paganism and, and paganism mm -hmm. obviously predates Judeo Christian religion. But, but mm -hmm. paganism, and, and even if you go Far Eastern stuff, you start talking about Buddhism, Hinduism, things like that. Right. Almost every god or almost every deity is connected to nature. There's a nature right. spirit for everything, which is far, far different than, than Western civilizations, religions, obviously. Right. You know, right. when, when you get into monotheism, Obviously, Jesus is not the, the, you know, the spirit animal of the woods or the water. He is, you know, he is the deity for, for everything. So right. you think about these tribes and, and stuff who lived in North America or whatever, they, and they have their belief system, their deities and stuff like, like that. But a lot of it is based, obviously, on the physical things around them and the things that they actually could see and tangible. Whereas you know, right. monotheism, we don't, I mean, people may argue with me about that, but you don't see God. You, you have faith that there is a God, mm -hmm. and, you know, and, and mm -hmm. some things like that. But, in, but to Native American tribes and these other indigenous people, their belief is what they saw, what was tangible, what they could see. And so Correct. what's interesting about that is in cave drawings and things like that where they're drawing Bigfoot, 
Okay. Mm-hmm. And like I said, if, if you, if your belief system is based upon things that you can see, things you can touch, things that are tangible, and yet you believe in a Bigfoot, well, doesn't that tend to, to show that it, it, it appears as a tangible and the same with little people. You start talking about, mm-hmm. you know, the, the indigenous tribes have, you know, like the Pukwudgies, they, they, they had, they could describe them. This as things they did. And so if you're when you look at Native American lore, when they're talking about so many different things that they could see, like the buffalo and the deer and the fox, and, and those things are included. And we know those with, things are. Yeah, we know those things. Why right. is it that you're just going to suddenly make something up about a little person? Why do that? I mean, why why would that be part of your religion? That 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 ninety nine percent of the the part of your religion is, you know, we see, and the one percent, we don't. Because we're just that's what we're going to pick out. Yeah, and I also, you know, it's funny because I think once again, even amongst a lot of Native tribes, it's only within the circles of the doctors and stuff like this that are that really follow this real closely. I mean, everybody else is, you know, they're trying to hustle a salmon or, you know, it's round up some acorns or, you know, doing their thing. I've never hustled a salmon. I'm just going to go on the record right now. Yeah, right. right, I've ordered on the menu. I've never hustled it. (laughs) <laughs> right, right. Well, and, and there's the thing is that is that you know it's like it's like for instance, I remember there was an altar that they built. At, I saw this along a river, and basically it's just a stone altar that they put together. But what they do is they burn crayfish in the altar, and then the the bones of the crayfish remain there until the winter floodwaters flood and take over the altar and take those bones of the crayfish and take them down river that then is a signal to the salmon it's sort of like a welcome sign please come up this river and of course this is all you know spiritual belief etc but they've done this for you know a couple thousand years or longer and you know they feel like arguably that's what brings even more salmon into that river and so but it's just it's showing a connector because the salmon feed upon the crayfish and it's it's an offering is what they're doing and um it's very beautiful you know it's but it's a but it's an attunement there you know and this is this is sort of like another thing i mentioned in the books of where you know they have these ceremonial trails they use and they go up on the trails well those trails weren't designed by them they're the migratory routes used by the turtles to go to the mid-elevation ponds for breeding and so the people follow the turtles and not the other way around Jeez, well, I wouldn't good. want a turtle phone. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I'm not fast. I think I could get away from one. <laughs> well, this is see, it, it's kind of cool because you know, it's like imagine following that trail, and even with your with your face right down on the trail, where it's like you're looking at it like the eyes of a turtle, and you know, what is it like to see the world? Through a, through a turtle's eyes as you travel through the forest on their trail. Whoa, you just blew our minds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think maybe you found too many of those mushrooms, man. That you were looking All for. right. <laughs> yeah, well, they're, they're on going, that same route. point of view from the turtle. I mean, that's pretty deep. That's <laughs> yeah, deep. That is right? deep. Yeah. Like, imagine being the turtle. Yeah, I never really thought about it from the perspective of a turtle. <laughs> yeah, and that's, it. It, yeah. that's, 
that's what's so interesting with these things is, is you know, once again, it steps into this attunement. Yep. And it's kind of like, you know, another thing, too, is that is that I could have, you know, with the story I heard about the salamander in the spring and so forth like that, I could have just blown it off as, no, I don't think so. It was a salamander and he was very beautiful and I put him back. He didn't turn into some little devil or some little elf or, you know, anything else. He was a salamander, you know. Um, and so that's what I know, you know, but, but I don't know when I turned my back and went to sleep, you know, did this thing turn into the little elf and go running off through the hills, um, you know, whatever. And so, you know, but, but it's interesting because following the lore and following the stories and stuff, you know, that, that that's, that's what they say about, you know, when you get up to these high mountain areas and, and, you know, even like in your own area there, um, um, you mentioned it was the Mohawk park or something. Mohican, Mohican Park. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the Mohican Park. And so, were you guys part of the Mohicans? Then was that in your area? Uh, there, we are the, we have more mainly the wine dots. Yeah. We're okay, right, the wine yeah, dots. Wine dots. Okay. Yeah. okay. Okay. Are they algic speakers? Do you know? Ooh, I don't know, but I know they were they were heavily. Uh, uh, they got absorbed by the Erie and the Iroquois. Mm-hmm. The, the Iroquois from New uh, York. The, the Iroquois, I think, from the from New York, uh, ended up joining forces with the Erie, which is in northern Ohio, and then the Wyandots got sucked into that during the uh, the Indian Wars. So, interesting. So I, I okay. don't know what sort of. Okay. Okay. Right yeah. Um, well, the thing that I would um, let's see, there's the Ottawa. No, 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 it's too far north. Because um, yeah, what I can do is I can look up the type of. Um, you know the type of little people that would that would occupy that area. Oh, that oh, would geez. be really cool. Yeah, that would be very yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, and you know because the one that I mentioned in the book is the JGO, and that is actually um, I was relating that sort of from the Catskill Mountains, um, you know the Seneca, mm-hmm. and um, and how you know those things. It's funny there was one story. Well, the JGO were the ones that basically Rip Van Winkle would have come into contact with that led for him to, you know, do his 20 year sleep or hiatus, you know, like this. And, um, but there was another story that, that related to Rip Van Winkle that also said that they were the ghosts. I thought this was interesting. It was the ghosts of, of Henry Hudson's failed expedition into Hudson's Bay. Um, in the, what was that? Like mid 1600s, he was doing all that mischief. And, um, you know, I mean, this guy's this guy's already facing a lot of formidable things, but 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 basically they would perish up there, and as a result, um, you know, as a result, you had the um, you know these these ghosts or these these elves that basically Rip Van Winkle helped them carry this keg of drink that would cause him to you know like party with the elves and then from there you know fall asleep for twenty years, and um, and that's that's kind of the power of these things. Um, so yeah, Wyandotte, okay, Iroquois. So it looks like J, Jajeno, Jajeno, are ten to eighteen inch tall pygmies. This is Iroquois here, um, uh, known to all major Iroquois groups. They're naked or wear black dyed buckskins. They are more often heard than seen. Nocturnal, one of the husk and false faces. Superb racers. Um, they are. Let's see, Jajeno. Ja, are known to Seneca, are not more than two feet high. They're also known as Jungis, Gahanga, 
pygmies, Indian fairies, tiny, tiny nature creatures, and the great little or small people or men. And that's and that's under the Andaga. Um, Seneca called them Getet on Getet on or pronounced JGO. The three tribes are as follows: the drum dancers, known as the little people of fruits and and grains, busily guard fruit and grains for care of fish. They're the most benevolent. The Andawas are a one and a half to one foot, or see one half to one foot tall, dusky as saffron colored pygmies, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So Stone there's just a whole different categories for each tribe and, and sections of, of the state of Ohio, New York, Pennsylvania. All over. Yeah. And they 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 extend, you know, the thing here is that is that is that they um it seems like it follows linguistic groups. And so, and so, depending upon the language, is depending upon this 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 variation of the little people. Now, and, have you have you come across anybody that you've talked to that has had a direct experience with these little people? Oh yeah, um, the author John Roth. I was just up in Oregon, um, you know, a few months back, and. Um, and he had a great story. It, and this was just, I think it was like a year ago, Mount Rainier National Park. If you're familiar with uh, Max Brooks and his book, yeah. Devolution, yeah. you know, and, and the setting there. I thought the setting he picked was good. I don't agree with with anything that he wrote, really, other than there was a little bit of Native lore he tapped into. But, you know, once again, the popularity of his book is going to be based on the, um, um, you know, number one, his his ability to describe, you know, like these survivor situations or these survival situations, you know, in something like the dynamic of this ecotopia community. It should, and, be, it should be a great movie. It's going to be, made, it's going to be made into a movie. Yeah. 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 I saw that. But, but anyways, Mount Rainier, um, this was in September of not this last year, but the year before or, or a few years back. And, um, and basically they had a first snowfall and um, and there was a maintenance worker out, and he was and he was working on one of the generators in a in a side shed off from from the lodge and so forth. I think this was up at Paradise, um, but at any rate, you know, he looks over his shoulder, and he sees this this thing watching him, and it stood about two feet tall, and it was like a little human, and it had deer legs, and it just turned and ran into this side gully and just disappeared. But he remembers seeing the the deer tracks, dun, 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 tracking this thing for, you know, you know a couple hundred yards. Um, you know, and so and so to me that was a okay, that's a that's that's a true to life sighting. Um mm-hmm. you know, because who could dream that stuff up? Well, but know. that is I mean, now that's very similar though to your to the one that your friend had in where Arizona where right, the bottom right. half was, you know, and they uh, yes. credited that to a skinwalker. Yeah. I, it sounded like the thing that he saw was almost like a, um, a what do they call them? Like the minotaurs. Yeah. You can imagine, you know, um, but smaller, you know, um, and, you know, and the thing about skinwalkers, I mean, I've heard them nowhere like this, like big werewolf kind of, mm-hmm. you know, um, definitely unfriendly. You know, you don't want to make friends with this thing, um, you know. And so they, you know, they come in all these different sizes and shapes. And also, you know, some are benevolent, some are benevolent. Um, you know, I, I don't know. You know, it's a it's a 
it's a mixed bag across probably across the world, but let's just say across the nation, as far as how these things are interpreted and how they're viewed. Um, well, you know, you don't, almost have to think for you to come back and tell anybody that you saw like a two foot, oh yeah, half man, half deer. You know, you'd have to see it. Why would you? Who who would even tell that to anybody if it wasn't true? I dare you to right. make something like that up. I just, right. Oh, yeah. Right. And that's the thing with the park service is that generally, I mean, they're very straight arrow. Um, you know, John was one of the ones that 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 talked to. I think his name's Matthew Johnson, and he was the one that had the Bigfoot encounter at Oregon Caves. And you guys are probably familiar with that one. Um, you know, and it's funny because I've heard that guy's story more from the from the from the perspective of the park service because i know the gal beverly was her name and she was the one that actually had to go out and write the report you know so she interviewed him at the time of the of the sighting and so forth like that and she just said that no matter what this guy was freaked about something that he saw and it wasn't something normal and so you know and this was on the big tree loop which is kind of this three and a half mile trail behind the caves um, you know, within the monument there. And so, you know, and this is, this is the thing is that, you know, uh, yeah, and it's hard when, you know, people have a sighting like that and they get excited and they tell everybody. And then from there, they're relegated into the, you know, the, you know, the foil hat crowd and, you know, and everything goes south when he's on Art Bell. Um, (laughs) Yeah, well, it's one of the reasons we've said this a a lot of times, but it's one of the reasons why we created the podcast was to give people who have been scared to come forward to tell their stories for fear of being ridiculed, made fun Mm -hmm. of. This is a non-judgmental form by which you can come forward and tell us tell your story, and and you know we encourage people who've never told us, and we've had people, you know, because I was that way. I you know I had my experience and. And I didn't tell anybody for years because for fear of being completely roasted, and mm. uh, and and so yeah, this we understand. There's a lot of people yeah. that won't tell their stories, or if they do tell their story, by the time it gets told, you know, third hand, people are making fun of them. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. yeah. And so with so with your story, did that happen in Ohio there and in the in the general area? Well, yeah, I mean, it, 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 I had a dog man experience when I was uh-huh. about 15 years old, and uh-huh. and it, it's within probably five miles of mm-hmm. where we're yeah. sitting right now. So, yeah, um, yeah and, and I didn't tell. I mean, I told which, people the which story. Which we have since figured out that it may or may not, more than likely, be tied into Native American Native American Indian's burial ground. ground. Yeah, so. Yeah, oh God! Yeah. If, you, if you're interested, go listen to one of our podcasts with uh, Linda Godfrey, the Godmother of Dogman. Listen to our show, oh. and you'll get a full you'll get a full explanation of that. Yeah, she has some she has oh, some cool. very interesting uh, ideas and and and, and the and thing evidence. about it is it really kind of falls in line with Wes Germer. I mean, you know, Wes has been out and he's done some things, and now Wes is falling on the side. I think of. That these things, whether it be Dogman or, or uh, Sasquatch or some of these other cryptids, are supernatural beings. They're connected with orbs. The, the, we're talking about mm-hmm. the you know the wormholes, the portals, and things like that. I think he's in that camp now, and and, and there's still no, yeah. and and look at in the you know there's a lot of people who who's in the camp of nope, it's a primate undiscovered. We're going to get right. one, and then once we get one, that's all she wrote. We're going to identify it, categorize it, whatever. But man, there's so much 
there, there's so much other evidence out there that there's mm-hmm. something these things are just not corporal you know creatures absolutely you know, i mean there's there's so much circumstantial evidence right out, out there that it's just insane like give me an example like there was a whole show that i watched an hour and a half about ufo sightings and proximities of sasquatch sightings mm-hmm. or orb sightings in proximity immediately after bigfoot fights you're like, okay, okay, what's the odds? What, what, what's the odds that any person in their life is going to see a Sasquatch? Point right. 0.1%. Yeah. What's the odds uh-huh. that somebody's going to see a UFO in their lifetime? 1%. And to see them both. To see them both, like in close proximity, or, <laughs> yeah. or these orbs. I mean, the odds that you right. would see them both almost the exact same time, close proximity, there has to be it's some There's got to be some kind of, of connection. There's got to be a nexus beto- mm-hmm. between the two of them. So yeah. I think the more and more... People are having sightings. The more research is being done, I think you're going to find there is a nexus between all this stuff, and, and it's not which just, does not make me feel any better about it. No, it doesn't. It doesn't make you well, feel better. Yeah. Huh? Well, it, it makes right. me feel comforted. Ah, well, what it tells you yeah. is that whatever these things out there are a lot smarter. Yes, and have a, a more raw intelligence than what we give them credit for, and they're yes. not just they're not just the mentality of an animal. Mm-hmm. You know, an animal's yeah. primary concerns are what eat, breed. Eat, breed. Yeah. That's what they think. Eat, breed. And and now you, you think, okay, Listen, this thing's got, a lot more cunning. Uh, I shelter, admit, of course. There's a lot of human beings that that's basically all they think Are about you looking that. in a mirror right now? I'm not. I'm looking across the table. Well, there's been fascinating <laughs> things that have happened around Bigfoot and Sas- Sasquatch sightings, like how how do you explain this thing that has like a shoulder breadth width of like four feet across go behind a tree and just disappear, and then there's sideways. a worm in there. He's standing sideways. No, no, right, no, right, no. And then people go to you know walk over there to investigate, and it's nothing there. Yeah. I mean, well, and you know, look at look at also like up there in northern Canada where they have these ones that, you know, they found these miners back in the 1870s with their heads <laughs> decapitated, and then from there it happened again in the 1920s and 30s, and then it happened again. But there's these spans of time, like 50 or 60 years. And, you know, and it's kind of interesting because it's like, so does this thing just appear every 50 or 60 years up there? And, and you know, if any human you know, happens to be walking around, he's more than happy to rip your head off, you know. Um, but but it's something that it doesn't happen. It's not like, not like every six months someone's getting killed up there. All right, that just comes right out of the whole Jeepers Creepers movie oh, more that every oh, so many gosh. years. But, but, but right. you think about it. And the other thing is, which you have to think about, is... If there's a separate dimension, does time run the same pace or, that? Or what if there's what if there's a wormhole right there at that camp? Right. Okay. And if you and when it opens up, the thing, the Bigfoot steps out. Yeah, sixty years ago, it's, it's simultaneous yeah. with now. That, yeah. You know what I mean? Like that. So uh, if you I'm say, killing everything. Yeah. You know, look, I walk in, I, I walk out, and it's 1910. I walk big and walk immediately back out, and it's 60 years later. Oh, there's more people. I rip their heads well, off. Well, time too. is relative. I mean, they've already right. proven yeah. that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it could yeah. be either way. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing is that, you know, um, and there's been several reports of these, you know, these, these portals. And, you know, in terms of, you know, you don't want to walk into one of these things because, I mean, you don't know what <laughs> – you know, where's this taking me? Yeah. Um, you know, I was but, out hiking. I was out hiking at Malabar State Farm. 
and mm-hmm. it was Midsummer's Night's Eve. So I'm sitting, you know, I'm setting the stage. It's, it's the summer solstice. I'm out there, and I see off the path what looks like an orb, a, a, a perfect, you know, sphere. Mm-hmm. It's perfect, okay. a perfect sphere, and it's floating, and it's 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 not like an orb where it's it's emitting light. It's not emitting light, but I can see a sphere. And with inside that, it looked like just really hazy. You know what I mean? Like like a TV, mm. remember the old TV station after midnight when it mm-hmm. shut off? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what it looked like. And mm-hmm. it's like, and you could see that that shape was a perfect sphere. Mm-hmm. Now, to get to mm. that, in, in the, it was about three foot by three foot. But to get to that, I was going to have to bushwhack through some pretty gnarly stuff. I could have got to it. And I thought, should I go there and put my arm in that? And I thought, hell no, I'm not no. doing that. Yeah, what if it sucks you right in? What if it sucks me in? It's just some, you know, what some sort of What if you would have just vortex. lost that arm when oh, the thing disappeared? Know. You know, <laughs> just yeah. cut it all flush. You don't want yeah. that. I mean, this is, yeah. and isn't it fun? And this is what this is what I really enjoy with all of this is yes. that there's still mystery, you know, and that and that and that it's it, it's very much an open book. Well, the thing about it is, we as human beings, we we have this sense of we know everything, when in reality we don't know nothing. What was it? Was Ken Ger- was it Ken Gerhardt books or Nick Redburn's? I think it was Ken Gerhardt's book where he t- or maybe Nick's where he talked about human beings have only actually occupied like two percent of the entire planet. It's crazy. It's some crazy. Mm-hmm. We talk about how many square miles are on the entire planet because there is we know virtually nothing about the bottom of the ocean. Right. And, and there's places in, you know, I mean, Jimmy, Christmas, you watch those shows on uh, Travel Channel about, like, the Alaskan Triangle. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's places in Alaska and in the Pacific Northwest no human being has ever stepped mm-hmm. and probably never will. Yeah. And so we don't yeah. know. We, we, we love to think we know so much because we have the Internet at our fingertips <laughs> where I can Google anything. Like, for example, I Googled and found out the movie Altered States, and it mm-hmm. literally took me 10 seconds. So we as, right. as human beings have this this false sense of superiority to nature that we just know so much. And we reality, we really don't know nearly as much as what we think we do. And then you start, yet, you know, and yet you get these shows that love to do the Pacific Northwest, millions of square miles of untrammeled wilderness. Like there's forts out there and, you know, you know a little Indian tribe holding the cigar or something, you know, and the thing about it is, is that no, it's, it's a, clear cut i mean basically it's a cut over landscape and now with huge fires happening um you know and so and so a lot of these places i mean they love to do that where it's like this is wilderness and you see the clear cuts you go wait a minute there's clear cuts over there there's got to be a road over there matter of fact there's not only one road there's like four and a half thousand miles of roads over there you know and so and so it's this it's this cut over area mm-hmm. that these things are scrambling around in the brush and so forth like that. I just think that, you know, um, I mean, number one, I, I could completely understand why they're pissed, you know, because it's like, hey, what did you do to my forest? You know, um, <laughs> let's start there. But but that said, you know, it's also something that um, that. You know, it's it's getting harder and harder to find places that are untrammeled by man. And trust me, it, it really is. I mean, there's there's still areas out there and I know areas up just in just on the West Coast. But still, you know, even like the Olympic National Park and stuff like this, you know, hey, there's a lot of people that visit the Olympic National Park these days. 
And um, but still, there's side canyons out there, and there's little there's little places where, you know, that like these five, ten, fifteen square mile areas that are just fantastically wild. Yeah, and that's a bit. I mean, that's a pretty big. Area. Well, I was I was mm-hmm. down in I was down in Mexico on a vacation. Mm-hmm. I've only been there once. Is this the right podcast to tell that story? Well, there went to Tijuana. And there's a show that I'm not proud we'll, to say. We'll, that we'll let that one slide. Oh, maybe I should tell you. We'll let that slide. Yeah. No, well, I, was, right. I was in Mexico and I, and I stayed and I stayed at this uh, all inclusive place and it was fantastic. It was the most luxurious thing you'd ever see. Right. And then I agreed to to go to this other one so that I could because they'd overbooked the place and they're like, look, it's overbooked. Would you give up your room and we'll put you in free in this other place and guarantee you seven weeks free next year at this luxury? So I said, yeah, I'll take the gamble. They take me to this place. It's out in the jungle. Huh. Right. I mean, it's out in the jungle. And, right. and, and I'm telling you what. the jungle is so thick no human being could cut through it you you couldn't i'd give you a bushman of the kalahari you know hat and uniform and machete you're not cutting through it and i remember the guy saying so there was this one golf cart path and it ran to Mm -hmm. all the buildings okay Mm -hmm. and so i'm in this little hut type thing and it's kind of cool. And it's like, okay, I want to go to where the restaurant is. So you had, it was so far to walk through the jungle. You had to call for a guy in a golf cart. He'd come and get you and, and ride you up there. And I right. said one night, I said, well, I'm just going to walk it for some exercise. This guy, you know, says, no, 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 you don't want to do that. I'm like, why not? He goes, yeah, Jaguars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Jaguars. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, you know, it's a, you know, they're it's out far. there in this jungle. And, yeah. and it's just like, right. and, and in the daylight, you would look and it was just, I mean, no human beings ever been, no human beings ever been 600 yards into that. Mm-hmm. Couldn't do it. You know, couldn't. Huh. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. I, like the Rian Penn deck and stuff like that down in Brazil. I mean, come on. You can't. Yeah, I mean, there's places, like I say, I think that there's places where there's still these hidden little, these, these hidden little alcoves, but boy, you know, um, I mean, a lot of my favorite areas have suffered massive wildfire damage in the last, just in the last five years, um, you know, and so, and so, but, but here's the thing is that you still have, you know, like you could have like where you guys are at. Um, you know, where even if it suffered a fire or whatever, you still have that spirituality. You still have mm-hmm. that place yeah. where these things could still be. It's just they might not, you know, I mean, they might only appear every 17 years or some crazy thing. And so, so yeah, there's no, you know, for us to, you know, surmise as to like how often or how little or how much they show up there. And, and then also, you know, like, for them to have the kind of um, environment they would need to sustain, say, a group of these. I mean, this is where we get back into the physical being, you know, here 24-7. You know, um, I mean, it would take a lot of ground, and especially for something big like a Sasquatch. And they talk about this, Jeff Meldrum and, you know, that group there on the National Geographic clip they did. You know, um, yeah, and so and so the sustainability of something like this, but that still doesn't, you know, it's difficult because we're still running across the footprints. Yes, a bunch of them are false, but there's at least a few of them that are the real deal. And so, how how do you, you know, like separating between wheat wheat from chafe, and um, and having this mystery 
Um, you know, but it's interesting when you talk to people that have been on the ground for the last thousand years, you know, and this could apply anywhere in the world, you know, what were their belief systems? Um, you know, the Philippines, you know, ask them, what did they believe in before Magellan? Oh, the little people. <laughs> what I like about that is, is keep this in mind. The indigenous people, the indigenous tribes, the First Nation people, there's no pecuniary interest in their belief system. You know what I'm saying? Right. There, there's no financial gain for them to believe in these things. Whereas yeah. today, people who are, uh, you know, yeah. footprints and pictures and hair and stories are trying, you know, th there is a nefarious group of people that are trying to monetize these things. So, right. But this has been a fascinating, yeah. fascinating show. And we should, we'd love to have you back on and do a round two because there's just so much that we could talk about. Um, yeah. Um, also, text me your address. I'll send you a book. Awesome. Oh, oh goodness. Right. Love it. You all, you just now became our favorite guest. Yes. Uh, so, Greg, you want to you tell? Can you autograph that to Jason? Yes. <laughs> the okay. sexiest producer alive. Do we okay, have to Jason start? and the judge. Do we there have to start go. introducing him as the sexiest producer? Well, I mean, look, I don't want his ego to get too big. Okay. I mean, I refer to him that, you know, behind closed doors. So. Okay. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> cool. So, so Greg, no, hey, do you want to give our listeners a little uh, idea where they can go find your book? And if, they, sure. if there's some social media you want them to uh, go check you out at and follow what you're doing? Sure. Yeah, so um, www.theridgewalkers.com, that's my website. Uh, the book is available on Amazon. It's also available at Barnes & Noble, Smashwords, and Open Books Press in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, that's my publisher. And, um, and so, yeah, if you, have, um, if you have any questions, you can also um, email me at gregwalter.author at gmail.com. And I'm also on Facebook. Uh, as either Greg Walter or Greg Walter author. And um, the Greg Walter side, I'm actually posting a whole bunch of pictures from Southwest Oregon, turn of the century. I, you know, as a historical researcher, I've dug into stuff going all the way back, not only native stuff, but also into the gold rush, gold rush history in California and into oh, Oregon, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's a, it's, it's fun. I make it, I make it fairly interactive and I do touch on the book here and there. I need to probably do that more, but, but yeah, I would love, would love for any commerce, you know, or any way with which, you know, folks want to buy a book from me directly that can be done on the site mm -hmm. and I'll send you cards and a, and a advice from Sasquatch bookmark. Oh, all right. Very cool. Very cool. Right. I'm looking at all the five star five star reviews on Amazon, so it must be pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Oh, cool. Good. So, good, yeah. good. Good. So. Yeah, I yeah I plan to also I'm I'm rewriting it as a as a seven part or seven episode miniseries, uh, formatted for Netflix or Hulu. Oh, cool. Nice. nice. Cool. Right. Well, I'm sure you only touched on some of the things that are in the book, so we encourage people to go out and get it. I look forward to receiving my autographed copy in the mail. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, cool. All right, Greg. Well, hey, thanks for joining us. This was a great, great conversation. I mean. Yep. Wonderful interview. Yeah. Some great information. Thank you. Some yes. great information. So so we'll let, you, uh, we'll let you go, and thanks for joining us, and have a good night over there on the West Coast. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank yep. you, guys. Yep. Keep yep. up the good work. Thank you. Thanks. Yep. Bye. Right, thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the From the Shadows podcast. Until next time, never shy away from the darkness.
or what may be lurking in the shadows. We are out. <laughs>